Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. McDaniel will end it in style. Arkansas is in hog heaven. They've won the first ever national championship. Still missing your free throws, Wes? Who cares? No show free throws in Sports Center. Here's Washington. On the drive. I don't know if he'll make any change, but I figure it's time for me to start playing ball. And they do it in stunning fashion over the number two team in the country. Fact is, I missed this shot. I walk away. I'm still a chump. You're listening to the Halftime Podcast. The season it really feels like it is coming to a, uh, a very difficult ending, although you do have four games left in the regular season to try to figure things out. Of course, you got a really rough one against Kentucky coming up, and uh, good luck with uh, the Wildcats the way that they are playing. Uh, Arkansas baseball had a chance to sweep Southern California on Saturday and uh, actually had the lead with a strike to go in the 10th inning and to come from behind in the ninth, forced extras, get the lead on the Dominic Fletcher home run. Uh, but USC gets a two-out, two-strike RBI single and then a game-ending home run. So they gave the Razorbacks a little bit of uh, a taste of their own medicine, to use that terminology. Hogs got the walk-off against them last year to close out the series two games to one, and the Trojans answer back with a walk-off homer, although Arkansas does win the series two games to one. Uh, you, you can't take both of those games and say, well, it was just an awful Saturday because Arkansas baseball played well. Arkansas basketball did not. You lose to Texas A&M for the first time since you were a, since uh, you were in the SEC uh, at home, and uh, things just are starting to spiral a little bit out of control, especially when this is a program that still bills itself as a team that plays inside one of the toughest buildings to win in the entire country. But now you've lost six home games at Bud Walton Arena, and uh, you're kind of wondering if you even have that home court advantage any longer. 87-80, to 80, Arkansas loses to Texas A&M on Saturday. And now the Hogs at 14-13. and 13. You do wonder if Mike Anderson's uh, streak of uh, winning seasons uh, may be in jeopardy. Uh, with uh, with the four games left, whatever happens in the conference tournament, the way Arkansas is playing right now, uh, I don't think you'd have a lot of uh, a lot of confidence that, that you'll at least be able to pick up three victories and ensure at least a winning season. Defense, defense, defense. Not a very good defensive club right now. They've allowed 77 or more points in each of these last five games. All of those games losses. Now, offensively, Arkansas did fairly well, shot 47.5%. Isaiah Joe and Daniel Gafford both over 20 points. But to allow Texas A&M to put up 87 in your own building is not going to be very good. Could be embarrassing, as a matter of fact, because Texas A&M is not a a firepower-loaded ball club. 87 points is the second most that they've scored all season long. The Aggies also putting up season highs in made free throws, 25, and free throw attempts, 34. I know Mike Anderson referred to the game was won in the paint. But really, the game was won 15 feet away from the rim right there at the foul line where Texas A&M goes 25 of 34, Arkansas goes 15 of 21, and you end up losing by seven points. 49 points scored in the second half for Texas A&M. Now, they shot 50% of the first half, but then made two out of every three shots in the second half, including four of seven three-pointers. Very disappointing loss. You thought that a game against a team that you'd beaten in their own building way back on January the 5th might have helped things turn around, but not the case. And honestly, could Ty, could you look at anything right now and say, well, it's a five-game losing streak. Maybe you stop it at five. It's going to get to six. You're playing right now one of the hottest teams in the country tomorrow night at Rupp Arena, and that would put you at 14 and 14 with three games remaining. Two of the teams that you'll be playing have a lot to play for, Ole Miss and Alabama. Alabama's on the bubble right now. They've got to win games in order to make it to the NCAA tournament. Uh, And right now, if you're Arkansas, I don't even think you're worrying about the NCAA tournament. You're worrying about your seeding in the SEC tournament. And just find a way to defend the ball a little bit, a lot better than you've been defending of late. So it's safe to say that Arkansas is now off the bubble, Phil? Is that allowable to say on the sports radio airwaves today that Arkansas is is in fact off the bubble? Isn't it amazing that even going into last week, 
they, they were still on the bubble on most of the bracketology reports, but you don't see them on those reports any longer. Not on the first four out, not on the next four out, not on the last four out. They're not. They're probably not even on the four times four out. Right now, Arkansas, they might not even get to the NIT when it comes right down to it. So if you're worried about postseason basketball, right now, Arkansas postseason basketball is the SEC tournament, and it would stop right there. Let's put the defense in perspective for a sec. So Arkansas gave up 87 points to Texas A&M. You gave a few stats. Now I'm going to give a couple. Alabama is the closest in terms of point given up to the Aggies this season. They gave up 80 to the Texas A&M Aggies. Arkansas gave up 87, the most of any conference team to play Texas A&M this season. And this was a good stat from Scotty Bordelon. Best conference offensive efficiency showing from Texas A&M against Arkansas. We could talk about their uh, deficiencies on the offensive end, but Phil, the marquee like staple of this team, supposedly under Mike Anderson, is supposed to be defense. You just gave off some stats. I just gave off some stats. They're not playing any defense right now. They're not hitting shots. What doesn't allow them to get in their press, and it doesn't allow them to. And they did. They forced some turnovers yesterday, which, or excuse me, on on Saturday, which was surprising that they still weren't able to get a win because again, once again, they were out rebounded for uh, guess what? A fifth? No, excuse me, an eleventh consecutive SEC game. Eleven consecutive that you get tossed on the boards, Phil. Like that has to just be a mindset that irks the living hell out of you. You have to have some pride to say, we are not getting out-rebounded this game, period. No ifs, ands, or buts. And yet this team continues to get absolutely crushed on the glass. It doesn't make any sense. Like, uh, the free throws, they fixed the free throw problem. They shoot 70-plus percent in this one. But for them to continuously, and I, I get they're not the tallest team in the SEC, much less college basketball, but, Phil, it is a pride thing at this point. You've lost all these home games, six under Mike Anderson, most ever. You've lost five straight games, which I actually looked this up. Phil, you know he's never lost five games consecutively in his coaching career. I didn't see any stats about that. From I'm surprised like Hutch or, or a bunch of the whole hog guys didn't come out with that. But he's never lost five consecutive games. And now you're about to get go get just absolutely obliterated tomorrow night against Kentucky on the road in Rupp. I'll be surprised that line's anywhere less than like 17 points. This is just a disaster right now in all areas of the game, Phil. Well, I mean, Arkansas did take 63 shots to Texas A&M's 48, but 28 made field goals for the Aggies and 30 made for Arkansas. So if you talk about offensive efficiency, the Aggies were certainly a very efficient ball club. Arkansas, I don't think anybody would necessarily confuse them with ever being a very efficient offensive team. 22 three-point tries, only five made. They went one for 10 from long range in the second half and uh, just uh, not a not an equation that's going to ever work out for a victory uh mike anderson switched up the lineup uh quite a bit you saw gabe osaboyan and desi sills both make their first starts of the year and i know osaboyan played fairly well while he was out there on the offensive side he was efficient hitting all four of his shots he had scored eight points two steals a couple of assists but also committed four fouls in 16 minutes the fouls were a big issue for arkansas that's how you get texas a&m with a foul line 34 times uh, so desi sills in the 21 minutes seven points three fouls a couple of turnovers and no assists. still not getting much from jalen harris in fact got nothing offensively three assists two points uh, the bench, you get Mason Jones. Jones it would make, be interesting with him coming off the bench because of his ability sometimes to knock down the shot. But just 11 points in 26 minutes off the bench. You can understand why Mike shook the lineup up because it's a team that has had struggles with starts, you know, at the start of games. And uh, it did look at least like in the first half, Arkansas did come to play. Uh, but to allow Texas A&M to score 49 points in the second half, uh, that is, uh, that's a bad one. That's a little bit embarrassing. So you, mean, you mentioned Mike's, Mike's on his first five-game losing streak. It's about to go to six, unless you pull off the biggest upset of the season. Uh, and, and, and Mike Anderson and this Arkansas basketball program, they, 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 they're used to winning. I mean, Mike, more than anything, throughout his entire career, UAB, Missouri, Arkansas, the worst record he's been, 16-16. and 16. This is He's been a winner, always has been a winner, even in his assistant coach. But right now, if you're used to winning, well, I mean, you're looking now at 20 days since your last victory. Here's Mike Anderson on, on, on being used to winning ballgames. I go back to my statement earlier in the year, I said, man, it's going to take a lot of patience, but I don't know if there's a lot of patience for that right there. There's, there's enough patience for that. You know, I'm, I'm used to winning. That's the thing, I'm used to winning. 
And so my job as a coach is to try to put us in the best possible way, shape to win a game. And so that's all my mindset is right now. You know, it's it was disappointing. Uh, but at the same time, this team is, is played some pretty good basketball in, uh, this year in spite of all the new pieces. So so my job and, and it, it continues to be is to put them in the best possible shape to win games. Phil, there's a lot of things you can be critical about this basketball team in 2019, but one of the things that I really think ticks off fans is the fact that it just seems like the atmosphere in Bud Walton is so not what it used to be. And I get, like, I'm not talking about the Nolan days. I'm even talking about previous games under Mike Anderson where you always felt like the Hawks had a chance to win. It didn't matter who they were playing. Now, they've had losses in, in not just in the last seven years that you look and say, wow, they probably should have lost that game. But for them to lose six home games, and it's not necessarily even, if you want to even dig deeper, not necessarily about the the conference games, but like for them to lose to Western Kentucky, for them to lose to Georgia Tech, for them to lose to some of these lower-tier SEC teams, A&M's the most prime example because that's what we've seen lately. I think that the fans are just like, what's going on? And speaking of home, like being at home, attendance. We we spoke about this on Friday. Hog Stats gave us the stat that Arkansas has had at least 10,000 fans for every Saturday conference game since that 2002 game against Vanderbilt when Mike Anderson took over for Nolan after he was fired. That streak was broken. Now again, the numbers skewed a little bit because it they didn't necessarily do the scan tickets early 2000s, mid 2000s and then kind of the 2010s era, but it still it shows you just how much attendance is down right now comparatively what it used to be, even under Mike Anderson, Phil. Well, to borrow a term from B.B. King, the, th- the thrill is gone. That's that's what it comes <laughs> down to. I mean, the Arkansas basketball fans are also used to winning games, certainly inside Bud Walton Arena, and the winning and the excite- exciting version of play that you've always had in these last couple of uh, of uh, coaching reigns is is the reason why this atmosphere has always been there, or at least usually been there, but it's just it's not there any longer. And to, to give you, a, for instance, really, when it comes down to it, um, it, it used to be that you would plan your weekends around going to Bud Walton Arena if you had tickets and if you could, if you were lucky enough to find tickets. There's that excitement that you felt when you were planning your day around it, uh, but but it's not there any longer. I mean, you sold sixteen thousand one hundred eight tickets. There were less than ten thousand people there. I, I was supposed to go to the basketball game on Saturday, but wasn't feeling really great when it came around to, to planning to go to the game. And instead of going to Bud Walton Arena, ended up staying back uh, at the apartment in Fayetteville, and I watched the baseball game on television instead, or on the on the iPad. So instead of actually watching a game live right in front of me, uh, I, I stayed back and I watched I watched an amateur telecast on a web stream with Arkansas baseball against USC. Amateur yes. telecast is put it like, and the other thing, people are acting like that this doesn't hurt the players. It doesn't hurt Mike Anderson how they're playing, and you can tell just from Daniel Gaffer and the other players that this is really ticking them off. The fans, you know, spend their time coming to our games to watch us. I mean, we can't just you know have all of them come here and just have them disappointed because this is home. We got to protect home. We can't just come in and think that it's going to be given to us because we're just playing home. I mean, people are coming here to play, you know, basically what this program has done. They're coming to play that. So we just got to, you know, hold our part up. We got to come out and play basketball and protect home and, you know, give happiness to the fans instead of, you know, playing in games and having fans leave at the end of the game when we're down. So Gafford saw what the atmosphere could be like last year at Bud Walton. I know Arkansas didn't go as far as postseason play that people wanted, but there were times last year where the atmosphere was electric at Bud Walton Arena, and that team wasn't a perennial top 25 by any means. They just were a decent to good basketball team. And, and yet, fun to watch. Yeah, That's and fun to watch. Right now, yeah. it's, it, it's more frustrating than anything than else. Anything. It's not as much fun. Yeah, Jalen Harris was sitting on the bench. He sat out last season. Adriel Bailey played in the last season. These other guys, they, they just haven't really experienced what Bud Walden could be like. Like, think about that as the, the freshman and then, um, at, at like, when Mason Jones coming in as a transfer Juco guy. Like, they still have yet to see an absolutely raucous Bud Walden crowd, Phil. They're just assuming that this is, this is what it is. Now, you can only imagine so many highlights. You can only see into so many highlights. You have to almost experience it firsthand to really get the overall effect of how much that atmosphere 
means to Arkansas and how much it helps them win basketball games. And they just haven't had that this season. And look, I get it. The team's not good. You've won. You've excuse me. You've lost five straight. They have. There's there's some teams in this stretch you haven't have lost to. And fans, it's their right. If they pay for the tickets, they want to show up. That's your. I mean, you you did that. Like you you didn't you paid for a ticket, didn't go to the game. Like that's I, that's your prerogative, Phil. And I'm not somebody that that will, would ever tell fans. Look, if you're a real fan, you're going to show up no matter what's going down. There are plenty of people that are like that. That just are are uh, are sports nuts and 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 need feel the need to be there and will support the team no matter what. And I don't think there's anybody that would be listening to this who's an Arkansas fan that doesn't want them to win. But you also don't want to feel like you're wasting your time and wasting your money if you're if there's a product on the court or on the field that isn't worth supporting or isn't worth your time and and it's up to the players to supply the the reason for fans to go there uh, and it's the same for football it's the same for baseball but you you hear so much about how do you recruit to arkansas well part of it is you recruit it because you're playing in the sec and for football for baseball and maybe even for basketball right now it's it's one of the best if not the best conferences in the country as far as competition and as far as exposure and the ability to get to the next level but you also recruit because of the facilities and you recruit because of the atmosphere and that's what you've been recruiting towards nationally at Bud Walton Arena for a long long mm-hmm. time but the winning's got to happen if the winning doesn't happen the atmosphere doesn't come with with losing that's why Baumwalker Stadium has the atmosphere that it has because you have this history a lengthy history of winning games throughout Dave Van Horn's career, throughout Norm DeBryan's career. You, it's something you become accustomed to, and that's why there's a buzz around baseball right now. And that's why there used to be a buzz around basketball and the feeling of wanting to be there and FOMO if you weren't there. FOMO. There isn't any FOMO right now. In fact, you remember we figured out another term that goes along with Jomo. it. There, there might be a little more JOMO, the joy of missing out on going to Arkansas basketball games. Let's close on this because I know you want to get it some baseball talk next segment. We'll also leave a little more time for that. With Arkansas right now, you wonder, what's this team got left to play in for? Do you keep hearing Anderson kind of echo the same thing? They're searching for something. Well, Daniel Gafford answered that, and I think you just at this point, you got to look for wins, Phil. I mean, we're just fighting to get you know at least a couple of more wins in us. We can't just go out sad like this. I mean, this stretch that we've been in, we it's like we can't get over a hump. and We've been trying our best, but it just seems like we can't. So our main focus is to just get over this hump and, uh, you know, have success in the rest of this year. He knows this is his last year unless something drastic was to happen and he decided to come back. And so he doesn't want to go out losing the next few games to end his quote-unquote senior year. Like That's not what he wants, and hopefully the, the rest of the basketball team responds to that. I detect a sadness in Daniel Gafford's I agree. voice there. Mm-hmm. Disappointment, sadness, and and also searching, you know, searching for what you're playing for right now. I don't think he could even necessarily describe exactly what the team is playing for because it's a team right now that is that is searching for an identity, searching for ways to win basketball games when it comes right down to it. You're listening to the Halftime Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Phil Elson PXP and at Ty Sports Radio. Beard ahead to Gafford. How about a windmill? Let's put a little exclamation point on it. The Hogs are moving on. It's Brett Dolan, longtime broadcast veteran, been around the game for a long time and Brett, really appreciate you coming on today. Uh, were, did you? I know you. You follow Arkansas baseball so closely because you uh, you're going to be calling uh, you know a lot of games there at Baumwalker Stadium. So uh, I guess uh, I guess we're lucky to have you. And maybe a lot of fans didn't even realize that until they watched this last week. Well, I do suppose absence makes the hardball a little bit fonder when some of these other conferences attempt to do the uh, the web streamings, but. Uh, uh, yeah, I followed your replacement, though, Phil, on the road as best I could doing radio, and, and we'll all be glad when the team gets home, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get back to it on, on Wednesday. So let's talk about this team right now. And I mean, you, you, it's all really when you go on the road and you win two out of three, I don't care who it is you're playing. 
winning on the road is so difficult in college baseball. And for a team that last year almost wins the national title, doesn't win a road series, to finish one out short of a road sweep at Southern California, I think is a very nice achievement. And I think it says about this team, this is a very good baseball team. I would agree completely. And you just go back to last year to the California trip where they really struggled to win two games. So the four they played out there and one of those was a one nothing victory over a pretty decent Arizona team when Heston Kerstead hit one about 450 feet into the gloaming. But you look at this year's team, I, I do think there's going to be an adjustment period, Phil, with some of these newcomers. They're going to have a few more ups and downs than maybe the veterans did a year ago. Having said all that, when they go out to USC, take the first two games, and have a legitimate shot to win the third, I think those are all very encouraging and positive signs. I think that's very real. The fact that you you bring up the idea that that there's going to have to be a period of adjustment, and part of the period of adjustment is, is, is how you bounce back from not playing well, how you bounce back from losing ball games, which hasn't happened yet. So maybe, you know, we're... We're, we're happy about a five and one start, but sooner or later, there's going to be a moment where they've got their backs up against the wall. And that's when you really learn a lot about this team. So maybe there's still, there's still a lot to learn about this ball club moving forward. And I think right now, starting pitching, I don't know if it's an area of concern, but that's one area where it, you get the sense that they're still trying to figure things out a little bit. No, I agree. And I'll be curious to see over this long homestand coming up just how many different pitchers Dave Van Horn might audition in that starting staff. He was so fortunate last year, as were we all that followed the team, when you pretty much had three regulars you could run out there. And the first thing I did with DVH in a, in a show we did way back in January was congratulate him that he may never have another Friday night starter who's 14-0 again in his career. I mean, Those things just don't really happen at any level when you can have somebody nearly perfect in that top spot, and then you build around him with Casey Murphy and Isaiah Campbell. And at the back end of your bullpen, you have a guy – set the saves record even though he missed three weeks or so with Mono when he wasn't able to, to pitch. So I, there, there will be a lot more auditioning of this team. And I, and I got a feeling that there will be some days when the fan base will be a little bit frustrated with the fact that there may be a two or a three-inning start from a guy in a weekend. There may be some pitchers that come in that had a good game last weekend that don't necessarily have one this weekend. And uh, I do feel confident that it will be sooner than later that it will be figured out but i do think over these next two or three weeks that uh, there could be a few more bumps in the road so to speak as as he and the staff figure out who are some guys that are they're really going to count on in conference play brett dolan Razorback sports network our guest here on halftime brett do you think we're going to learn a lot about this team really until they enter conference play it's possible that you know it's going to take those sec games and especially some road trips on uh, on that SEC circuit before we truly know. I would think there would be some opportunities uh, in non-conference play just to get a little bit closer to that period. And Phil knows this as well. There were games last year this team probably should have lost from a non-conference standpoint. Mm-hmm. There were some home games. One steps in, in my mind with that, that Alabama debacle with the, the walks and wild pitches. But there were even uh, some other non-conference games. They barely won the contest last year in Little Rock. And there were a few others that felt like they could have lost, but they were good enough. They had just enough pitching, hitting. Whatever it was that day, they had more than their opponents did over nine innings. I do think there will be games this year where that's not going to take place, and they're going to stub their toe here or there. But that comes from just being maybe a top 15 team versus a top five or a top 18. But I do think that once they get to conference schedule, I think Dave Van Horn would breathe a lot easier if he felt like he had a pretty good idea uh, what he has from a pitching standpoint, how he wanted to use his roles in the back end of the bullpen. And the other thing, guys, is let's hope that there's nothing that, that we give back. You know, we, we assume that Heston Kerstad's going to have a big year or Matt Goodhart will hit or Ezell will be fine. You know, if one of those guys has a little bit of a slump, those are things that I think we kind of put in that column where we didn't think we had to worry about it. And hopefully there won't be a lot of those that pop up while the rest of this gets sorted out. Yeah, I was talking to Phil earlier. Heston Kirst had so far six for 28 on the season, but it seems like based on what Phil and everyone else is saying, seems like he's good enough here. He'll respond. Um, Brett, this is one of the things Phil and I have kicked around during the show uh, before baseball season began. So the Arkansas football game goes 2-10. and The basketball team's lost five straight. They're not going to the NCAA tournament. Might not even make an NIT. Do you think there's added pressure on the baseball team to really make its mark in postseason play this year? There could be. I think the fan base owes this program and Dave Van Horn a little bit of gratitude in the sense that 
They have been carrying the mantle for a couple of years mm-hmm. as the focal point. And let's face it, track and field's always very good. Soccer's had a couple of nice runs. The softball team is certainly on the rise. But as we know, most of the fans focus on football, basketball, and baseball. To me, coming here, one of the delights was just seeing the passion for baseball because, you know, Arkansas fans probably realize this, and some of them know it. When you get away from this conference and you get to a lot of other places in the country, people just quite frankly don't care about college baseball. But to do it at this level with the passion and to see this team almost win the national championship last year, and if they could get back and host a regional this year, even if they don't host, I think they're good enough to win. And then you're two wins away from getting back to Omaha. And that's the type of sustained excellence that if, if they can continue to achieve, will will leave them kind of carrying that mantle for this, this program until Chad Morris gets his guys going or until basketball gets back on track as well. So Arkansas baseball has really grown in popularity since Dave Van Horn's gotten here, Just and the winning helps. But why do you think college baseball overall is growing in popularity? I think ESPN deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, my first year out of pro ranks was in 2013. It was the first year that they started televising all 16 regional sites. I think that was a big first step. When you do that, then you backtrack and you start doing more games in the regular season. Uh, the SEC conference was big as far as what we do, as far as being able to do the school-produced games at home on Plus. And some of the other conferences now with the ACC are going to have to try and pick up their pace a bit. I'm sure Arkansas fans would wish the Pac-12 would get up to the speed like like the others. I think that's a big part of it. But I think the other aspect is we're seeing guys go from the SEC and make their marks in the pro ranks in a short amount of time. One of the first college baseball games I broadcast a number of years ago was at Texas A&M with LSU. They had a shortstop, a freshman shortstop named Bregman. Uh, you know, he looked like he was going to be pretty good. And then a couple of years later, he's in the big leagues and, and putting up huge numbers. So not only is the competition better, the players are accelerating their path to the majors quicker. More games are on television. And then when you're lucky to get an atmosphere like an LSU, like an Arkansas, like an Ole Miss, and those games are on television, I, I do think it's a great product that more people are paying attention to. Yeah, that's a very good point. You know, a couple of weeks ago we had Ben McDonald on the show, and it was so rare when he went almost straight from college ball to the major leagues. He made a couple of minor league appearances, but I want to go on to the idea of the the talent and how it translates to major league baseball from the SEC specifically, because you know, you and I both spent a lot of time in the minor leagues, and we saw a lot of great players that eventually went on to big time careers. But we're watching Casey Martin, and Casey Martin has it, and. To, to, to see that sort of of, of, uh, of talent, uh, the, what he's doing right now, and it looks like he's even gotten better in just the six games we've watched. He, to me, he stands out in a way that not a lot of either some of the best players in college baseball don't necessarily stand out the way that Casey does. What do you think? No, I would agree. I think there's a bat speed component. I still think it might be a little bit choppy when it comes to playing shortstop and his learning curve, he's going to make some great plays. He's going to have some plays that he probably wishes he could have made. But that's just part of that transition. He's athletic enough. He's good enough. And I would agree. I can't wait to see what the future holds for Casey Martin. Arkansas fans are fortunate they get another full year of him after after this. But, you know, Phil, when you and I were in the minor leagues, a lot of times I think the conventional wisdom was if there was a really good player, he was better served to go to the pro ranks if he had that type of potential. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think you can make an argument playing in the caliber of competition these guys are playing in during the spring and then possibly the Cape Cod League or Team USA or whatever in the summer actually makes them in a better spot once they get into the pro ranks. And that's what I think is going to be so much fun with Casey if he's with Team USA or in the Cape Cod League this year after another nice, long Arkansas run. I mean, this guy could be a top 10, top 15 pick. And then how quickly could he get to the big leagues? Could he do it in two or three years? I think the answer is yes. You know, Dave Van Horn told me the first time I filled in, and we are talking a little bit about minor league baseball compared to college baseball, and he said, you know, we're, we here, and it was like he was talking of college ball a little bit to the guy that was coming out of the minors. He said, we, he, we coach him up differently than they do in minor league baseball. And I think it, it took a while for me to understand what he meant. And now we're, I think we're seeing that come to fruition with the idea of Wes Johnson going straight from Arkansas to the major league pitching coach for the Minnesota Twins. What do you see as the difference between college baseball coaching compared to the way that players are coached in the minor leagues and the development system on their way up? 
Well, it's a fascinating conversation, and I suppose any points we throw out there, that they could be rebutted or argued. To me, I still think there's a little more bunting and small ball in college baseball than you would probably see in the pro ranks. Quite frankly, prospects aren't going to be asked to drop down a bunt to win a game. They're going to be asked to try and swing and knock the ball off the fence. I do think there's a winning component that they definitely try and instill in these guys. But, I just, Phil, I just think there's something about playing five days a week as opposed to seven. There's something about still being able to lift and work out. Uh, I do think there's a lot of aspects of college baseball that make it better. Um, I, I still think the pro ranks would like to, to do things a little bit differently. But I don't think they can argue with the success as far as these guys being pro-ready uh, when they come out of the college ranks, especially if they're in an elite-level program or even if they're a mid-major program playing elite competition. So uh, I, I think there will always be differences, and that's what will be kind of fascinating to watch, the differences. But I think with Wes Johnson making that jump straight to the big leagues, I, I think there's going to be a lot more give and take over the next five years with analytics and the way both pro teams go about their businesses and, and the college teams as well. That, that uh, I don't even know if we'd be able to predict in five years from now how these, uh, these organizations in college and pro might go back and forth with, with some of the ways that uh, they, they develop these players. And I think another another aspect about it, and we'll move on to something else in a moment, is that you know in college ball you're you're coaching to develop players to win games right then and there. In minor league baseball, you're you're coaching to develop them to win, you know, in a year or two. So that, no that'd doubt be, about that, that'd be a different aspect. So the last thing I want to get to, we had the fish delay at the NCAA game in Jacksonville, Florida. You and I have seen some weird minor league baseball. It's kind of has like a a grip. On, on weird delays and just weird life overall. And I know you had a story of something you saw, which might even be a little bit weirder than a fish delay. Tell us about it. Well, I would. Have you ever seen a, uh, a weather delay or a delay when it's absolutely perfect weather outside during the middle of the day? There was a sun delay at the College World Series last year in anticipation <laughs> well, <laughs> of lightning. Yeah, that's it, though. <laughs> that's a great point. That was right. The sun delay at uh, TD Ameritrade during that game with Texas. I, I did a game in the most beautiful city in our country on the most beautiful day of the most beautiful city, and we had a 55-minute delay in San Diego in a big league game, probably around 2008, 2009, because of bees. There were <laughs> bees that inhabited the jacket from the ball girl down the left field line, and we waited for the exterminator. Finally, he came in some 40, 45 minutes after the delay, and he used his spray and killed what was, I think they told us, thousands of bees that had inhabited this coat, before they hauled it off and we resumed action. But we were uh, on at rush hour back in the Houston area while this game took place, a midweek day game in San Diego. There were people that told me they were driving home and uh, had a commute of nearly an hour and never heard a pitch. They just heard us keep it for 55 minutes and talk about bees, exterminators, and the chaos that was a 55-minute bee delay in San Diego. Well, it's a good thing you studied entomology at... Uh... At, uh, at the University of Iowa. Very good. Brett, thanks for coming on, man. Look forward to seeing you at Bob Walker Stadium on Wednesday. You know it, guys. Subscribe to Hit That Line on iTunes. You're listening to the Halftime Pod. Blood running through Daryl Macon's veins. The Razorbacks win it 71-70. to Strike three. Good morning, good afternoon, good night. What does three up and three down mean to you, Airman? End of an inning, strike three. Well, it was good to see one of the basketball teams at Arkansas end a losing streak. Arkansas's women's team snapped the six-game downer by defeating Ole Miss at Bud Walton on Senior Day, 73-61. They honored seniors Raven Northcross Baker, Malcolm Monk, and uh, also uh, honored uh, Bailey Zimmerman. Uh, also, Kieran Swenson and Sydney Stout uh, playing. Uh, well, Kieran was injured this year, so hasn't played at all. Uh, Sydney will be graduating and won't be playing as a senior. So that was good. But the best part about it was watching Chelsea Dungey, which is just she's worth the price of admission, even in a loss. In a win, it's a little bit more fun. Chelsea Dungey, a sophomore out of Sepulpa, Oklahoma, transferred out of Oklahoma University, sat last year. And, boy, she is so much fun. 33 points for Dungey yesterday in 39 minutes. She's best at getting to the foul line than anybody else in the SEC. Got to the foul line 15 times, made 12 of them. Also had a season-high five three-pointers. Ty, get a load of this. 
Chelsea Dungy has scored 30 points or more three times this year. Of course, the previous home game against Auburn, she became just the third Arkansas women's player ever to score 40. She scored 74 points in the last two home games. And she's now scored 20 or more six times in the last eight games. Her scoring average for the year, just over 19 points. That's second best in the SEC. And Chelsea Dungy right now is skyrocketing way up. I mean, right now she looks like she could be on the SEC postseason first team and definitely should be next year when she comes back as a junior. Chelsea Dungy, 33 points yesterday. That is my first up. My first down was a fish in Jacksonville, Florida at an NCAA baseball game, the Jacksonville Dolphins. Uh, I guess it makes sense if it's dolphins because dolphins eat fish, but you know who else eats fish? Well, birds eat fish. Osprey and eagles eat fish. And this was the scene over the stadium at Jacksonville University yesterday afternoon. Hawk, and he just dropped a fish in the outfield. Uh, it's an osprey out there that just dropped a fish out in shallow right field. And now a bald eagle has entered the scene and everything has come to a halt. The eagle comes in, chases the osprey away, makes him drop the fish, and now the eagle is swore. Uh, Connor Stevens is going out into shallow right. Is he going to go try and get the fish before the eagle gets it? The eagle circling overhead. Stevens has the fish wrapped up in a towel. And he makes his way back over to the home dugout. Stevens, you better look out. That bald eagle may be saying, that's my dinner tonight. That's right. Could you imagine getting attacked by an eagle on the field when you're going out to retrieve a fish that was dropped over a baseball park? I've seen some very weird baseball delays. Probably the weirdest was at LSU a couple years ago when the possum ran on the field right in front of Carson Shaddy. But you can see that thing happening as it's coming. You saw the possum run out there and figure, no, well, I guess you're not going to play while this possum's on the field. But, I mean, who's looking up at the sky and all of a sudden figuring, well, I guess there could be. It's raining fish at the baseball park today. So fish were falling on the field at Jacksonville University, and that's my first down. All right, my first up start with Danielle Gibson. How about her? Four for four and not just hits? Home runs, Phil. College softball, Southern Illinois, Edwardsville, and Arkansas. This is Arkansas's Danielle Gibson. Two-run blast. They're tied at two. It's her first home run of the day for Arkansas. Second inning, two runners on. Gibson, three-run blast. Her second home run of the day. She's got a two-run shot and a three-run shot. Hogs are running away. They're up 6-2, and she's running towards history. Third inning, bases loaded. What do you think is going to happen here? Grimsley. You bet. So think about this. Three at-bats, two-run homer, three-run homer, and a grand slam. Now, if she could just hit a solo homer, that would be the home run cycle. Right. How many times does that happen? Like, never. Yes. You're about to find the answer to that, too. Here we go. Come on. Come on, Zubin. Stop playing with my emotions. <laughs> there it is. Four for four, ten RBI, four home runs. The home run cycle. A solo shot. A two-run homer, a three-run homer, and a grand slam, Phil. Unbelievable. Well, it's so unbelievable. It's only happened twice in college baseball history. Chad Spanberger, by the way, fell one home run short of the home run cycle at SEC tournament in Hoover a couple years ago. Now, now here, Arkansas is a standout as far as the home run cycle, which, by the way, isn't really a thing uh, but it's just, you know, odd to think of four home runs in one game and one home run of each variety. It's happened once in professional baseball history, never in the major leagues, the Texas League, 1998, San Antonio, Texas, Wolf Stadium, Arkansas Traveler, Tyrone Horn hit it was for a the traveler. home Let's run go. cycle. That was of three years before I joined with the Traveler, so I wasn't there for that game. But uh, and, uh, Horn actually had a chance for a fifth home run in that game and swung out of his shoes. And if I remember correctly, the story was that he popped up. And after the game, they talked to him on the San Antonio broadcast, and he was in such a daze he could barely string a sentence together because of the feat that he'd accomplished. Hitting four home runs in one game is just crazy. I've never seen it myself in person. To have one home run of each variety is is mind-blowing. It's stupid mind-blowing. And it is really a thing, but it's just cool to think about that it's now happened, I guess, once in softball history in, in the NCAA, twice 
in NCAA baseball history, once in pro baseball history. That's four times, four times that we know about that there's been a home run cycle. And twice it's happened from a, an athlete connected to the state of Arkansas. Very, very cool. All right, my first down from the weekend. Bradley Cooper's a cheat code, Phil. I mean, the guy's 6'1", extremely good-looking, sexiest man alive back in 2011. He's married to a supermodel, Ariana Shake. Like, he is got it all. And then he decides, hey, I'm going to take 18 months of vocal lessons and now be able to do this. Tell me something, girl. Are you happy in this modern world? Oh, do you need more? Is there something else you're searching for? Phil, I'm not saying the guy's John Mayer, but for those out there, all the guys listening to the show who are married, this dude comes over, hide your wives, because you're done. Like, you're done. I, I Like, you're already, again, extremely good-looking, uh, married to a supermodel. A lot of things are going for you. And now you know how to sing. That's my first down of the weekend. Bradley Cooper. Some guys just have it all. Didn't Cooper also star in a movie where he became a genius by taking a pill? Limitless. Correct. Seems to me that the thing is real life. Yeah. This this pill really exists. And, and Bradley Cooper's still all take, over it. He's still taking. He's still got a prescription. All right. So my first, my second up uh, goes to, well, let's just, let's just play this and let you know why this is my second up. Doing one to Tebow. And to left field, Kemp going back and over from center field. Straw with a diving catch. Oh, wow. What a play by Miles Straw, who has outstanding speed. Stole 70 bases in the minor leagues last year, and he covered a tremendous amount of ground. Get over there and rob Tebow. So that's Miles Straw, center field prospect for the Houston Astros, formerly from Fresno State University, played at Corpus Christi last year in double-A in the Texas League. And that's a great catch. And the reason that he's my second up is that your boy is now 0 for 4 in spring training. Though I'll give Tebow this. He hit the ball really well. They gave him left center field because they had the left fielder playing in Houston always shifts more than any other team. Houston does the shift, even in the outfield. So Tebow gave what they took, what, uh, took what they gave him and, and lined it the other way. And, and without Miles Straw's diving catch, he would have had himself his first Grapefruit League base hit. But your boy's 0 for 4. So Miles Straw is my second up. I'll stay with baseball to go for my second down, and it's the Texas Southern Tigers baseball team out of the Southwestern Athletic Conference, which has never been confused with the SEC or even Division II baseball or sometimes even Division III baseball. Uh, Texas Southern University has one win and seven losses in the first eight games, but it's not the record that I'm pointing at. They've been outscored 128 runs to 41 in these eight games. So they're getting outscored by an average of 10 runs per game. Listen to some of these final scores uh, from this year for Texas Southern Tigers baseball. They opened the season against New Mexico State and lost 20-2 to and then played a doubleheader the next day in Las Cruces and were outscored 24-8 to and 38 to 6 that's one day they got outscored 62 to 14 and then they got a lot closer in game 4 of that series losing 16 to 3 maybe my maybe the down should really go to the Kansas Jayhawks because Texas Southern beat them a couple of days ago on a Saturday 19 to 13 uh Texas Southern has a team ERA of 16.14 and, oh, by the way, they are the defending SWAC baseball champions. They've won the SWAC four out of the last five years, and they're picked again to win the SWAC. So the team that is supposedly best in a Division One conference has been outscored 128 runs to 41. Wow. Ty, I think you and I could put a baseball team together out of the folks that work at ESPN Arkansas, and I don't even think there are nine of them in the building there in Barling. And we probably could get outscored 128 to nothing. And put it at that. That's my second down. All right, my second up. How about this? I'm going to a Fort Smith wedding, Phil. My first one. I'm excited. Uh, big big shout-out to Blue. I will be going to his wedding here in two weeks. I haven't really experienced uh, nightlife in Fort Smith all too, all too much, but I'm really excited about this. I'm going to my first Fort Smith wedding, man. 
it's been. I'm a, excited. I'm excited for you because it was just a month or two ago that you were you were talking about how badly you needed a buddy of yours to get married so you could have one of these crazy weekend weddings and and have a you know an excuse to get nuts and 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 maybe imbibe. I'll be on my best. Much. So good for you. You belong in up. It's not just the wedding. It's you that belongs up too. Yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll be on my best behavior just because uh, I mean you got to act somewhat have some be somewhat cordial at these things. Uh, Speaking of wild weekends, Phil, did you hear about the three drunk LSU kids who stole a John Deere vehicle from the football stadium and then drove around campus, got a D-Duff? <laughs> and I, you know what? I, I say this is bad, and I'm not going to lie. I've done stupid stuff when I may or may not have had too much to drink. But my goodness, like stealing a John Deere, it's basically like a John Deere golf cart, Phil. And they, they stole it from the <laughs> the LSU locker room, and then they tried to drive it to Huey uh, P. Lawn Fieldhouse. Like, they're doing this at 2.30 2, 2 in the morning, man. Like, when you think about that stuff, when obviously your your mind's just a little affected when you've had too much to drink, and you're like, man, this would be a good idea. Let's go steal an LSU football, quote-unquote, golf cart and drive it around campus. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah, they got D-dub, unfortunately. So this uh, this Gator vehicle, you know what it looks like. It's just it, it's like green and yellow type golf cart looking thing. It's valued over a little a little more than ten thousand. But honestly, Phil, you know what this is? It all comes back to one thing in the SEC. It just means more. Well, it just drives a little slow. You should be driving a little slower if you're going to be on a on a Gator and you just uh, slugged yourself. He, one thing you could do, and it's Louisiana. So Louisiana is. Uh, is an outlier for the rest of us in this country because it's the only place I know of that has the drive-through daiquiri. So you, if you at this Dangerous. point you've got, you've got the gator, you've got the transportation, you might as well just roll on up to the drive-through daiquiri shop and and take it from there. And hey, it's perfectly safe because they put a they put a piece of tape on your straw, so it's still a closed container, and you're never gonna drink that thing while you're in the car, right? You shouldn't, but I'm sure you never would anyway. And it's not like this is a, just an uncommon occurrence at Tiger Stadium. Like, students, for whatever reason, decide it's okay to do obscene things there. Like, obviously, it's LSU. It's down the bayou. There's cra- they're crazy people already. But for whatever reason, they love doing stuff in Tiger Stadium. Oh, by the way, the, one of the guys that was arrested, Lolly, um, his first or his last name, he had a BAC of 0.162%. So. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he, I hope he wasn't the kid, the kid driving it. No, he, not like he, any of them should be driving it, but that's the last one who should be driving it. Oh man, I oh man, I here's the thing: like LSU LSU people get a bad rep, but you got to be on like they they do things their way, and those guys. You be you, LSU, exactly. and the rest of us will also be you know a little silly as well, and yeah, uh, less drunk. So my third up is for what it may transpire over the last two weeks of the SEC regular season for basketball because you got a three-way tie for the conference championship lsu kentucky and tennessee all tied for first place with a 12 and 2 record and of course you do have kentucky playing tennessee later on in the weekend for the second time uh lsu's got texas a&m they're at alabama they're at florida and they'll be home against vanderbilt tennessee is at ole miss home against Kentucky, home against Mississippi State and at Auburn. Kentucky, of course, has Arkansas tomorrow night. Then they travel to Knoxville, travel to Oxford, and host Florida in the regular season finale. There's some really good games on the schedule right there, and we'll help decide the uh, SEC regular season championship. My third down is for your BOGO at Raisin Cane's. I know you tweeted it, and I know you're really proud of it, and you're buy one, get one at Raisin Cane's. The fact of the matter is two-for-one garbage is still garbage, and B-O-G-O in this case means binge on garbage Olympics. So that would be my third down. Let's go to Robert in Fort Smith. Robert Tollett wants to come in and talk baseball, so that would be a huge up. Robert, how are you? What's up, guys? You know, we, we had a good thing that happened this week, Bill. Connor got brought into the to the real deal now. So now he, he knows what he's got to work on. No. But what about our leadoff batter, how well he's doing? You're talking Casey Martin. Hello? Now, let me ask you that. Martin, yeah. by the way, 10 for 18. He's hit five extra base hits. He's knocked in seven. He scored five, batting 357. Are you surprised to see Casey Martin batting leadoff rather than a little lower in the order? No, because you've got to have somebody with that pop right now. We don't know else who might have that. So 
he's tearing it up like he did last year. Why not put him there to get you started? You know, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think find, it makes sense. I think it makes sense. I said then, this on, an, on another radio show earlier today, uh, Robert, that I'd seen the thought. It's mathematical. If you want your best hitter to get the most plate appearances, who gets the most plate appearances out of the batting order? The leadoff guy does. Casey Martin's mm-hmm. the best hitter on the team, maybe the best player in the country. You bat him leadoff, he gets more plate appearances than anybody else on the team. That can only mean good things. Yep. And and people that kind of disturbed because we lost one, that's okay. We couldn't buy a win on the road last Saturday, Sunday, last year. You know, Blaine Knight did his deal on Friday nights, but everybody else, nah. So we'll take two out of three. I'll take it every series. That'll right. get you. That'll get you. A, that'll get you a region. That's right, Robert. I think that's a great call and, uh, and and very good sentiments. That's right. Two out of three on the road. That'll that'll get you to that'll get you at least to you know to a national seed if you win two out of three on the road every time you get out. There. I'm not saying that you're going to win every road series. Yeah. You're at, you're at yeah. Vanderbilt this year. Uh, you do have some really tough road series in the SEC, but I think winning two out of three in Los Angeles is a, is a nice is a nice achievement. And yeah, it's, it's something last year's team didn't do. Yep. Have a good All one, right. guys. Good phone call. Appreciate you calling in. Ty, you can finish out your three up, three down, and I know part of it will have to do with your BOGO with raising Canes because I know you're so happy about it. Yeah, well, we'll start with the down, and even though Canes was a good up for me this week, my tie was horrendous, Phil. I had BOGO Canes, so basically I had seven tenders and like four orders of fries plus Texas Toke and Dr. Pepper on Sunday. I had a pizza buffet last night where I had Ended up engulfing sixteen and a half slices of pizza. I went to. I went to. How do you eat that much pizza? Uh, You are an. You are. You mean with me? You should know. It's you. You know what? You're like the transfer portal. Something goes inside and it just stays there until it decides to you know exit somewhere else. How do you do this? Uh, It's a good question. I, I I push myself in ways I shouldn't. I also had ham and trees yesterday. Which if you've had the. Avocado Gouda cheese fries are incredible. Artichoke hearts, a sandwich, that like just and then oh, I also had Los Bobos, a torta and taco at two o'clock in the morning on Saturday night. So my diet this weekend, Phil, was absolutely horrendous. I should I should be ashamed that, of myself, honestly. That just only means for the rest of the week, broccoli, chicken, and rice, every single meal, right? That's true. Yeah, I also on Friday I had twenty nuggets and fries. My, the double whammy from BK. So it was, it was a disaster this week, and that's my. That's I my, feel bad. I feel bad for your roommate. That's the that's the only thing I could say. All right, and uh, third and final up for this segment, uh, big a new bar on Dixon Street that took over Stir. Phil, they have my favorite beverage. They have two dollar natty lights, and I'm very happy. Unfortunately, the buddies I was with decided that we were just passing through, and I'm seeing. Uh, one of the basketball managers, my buddy Jacob Leonard, and a couple other uh, students that I knew, and they were holding their drinks up, but like pointing at me. I was like, "Can we not stay here?" And they're like, "No, we're going." And I was like, "All right, I will. I will be up next time in Fayetteville. I, that's my first stop." And also, uh, I know Bell Point Beverages uh, put this out, and Tim and those guys. Natterdays are officially out, which is the strawberry lemonade that I told you about. That I, you will at least have to try. That's actually part of your homework. Is you have to try that. They're out, so you need to go get you one. Like the Halftime Pod? Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast at hitthatline.com.